Hello and welcome to A Burkamp Wonderlands. Are we an Arsenal podcast? I'm not too sure. Anyway, it's been a while since I, I've been on the uh, been on the airways. Welcome everybody. I don't think anything's gone too disastrously wrong whilst we've been whilst I've been away. Oh, oh hang on, no. Yeah, we're shit now. It's awful. But I've joined by two other two other people to uh, talk through. The maelstrom of the last three games, plus everything else that has been going on in the Arsenal world. Um, first, say hello to Femi. Hey, Femi, how's it going? How are you doing, Josh? Going well, going well. Looking forward to yeah. talking about Arsenal, I guess. Aren't, <laughs> aren't we all? I know, it's normally been, I, I think I've been off for like four weeks and... I was like, normally you're like itching to get back into it, like full on pod fever. This one's like, oh, okay, <laughs> got to talk through it. But there's obviously a man who's always got a cheery disposition when it comes to Arsenal, and that is Carl, who's also joining us. Hello, hello, hello. It is, uh, I am back again because Danny is a lazy shit and he can't be bothered <laughs> to jump on the podcast. So... I'm taking the residence fat person's position as Danny. So I don't even want to call me white Danny from now on. Okay. We'll go with that one. Yeah. Where do we start in kind of getting through everything? I apologize to anyone listening. If I get the games in the wrong order, because to be honest, I can't remember which one came first, West Brom or Villarreal. Uh, Villarreal, wasn't it? Where do we start with that one? Carl, do you want to, do you want to open the wound? So I, I guess from the start, everyone had high hopes, you know, playing at home. We only need, needed to score one goal. So I'll be honest with you, I was very hopeful that we was going to win, even expectant. And I don't know if that's even uh, uh, something I should really be with Arsenal. But I thought to myself, we're at home. We, can, we only need to score one goal. And surely, surely Arsenal could, could do that. And I was... Like I was happy. So um the team came out and the team wasn't too bad. Like if you looked at it, um we, we started at Bamiyang, he started up front and then sort of behind him we had Smith Odegaard and Pepe. Pepe has literally been on fire in the Europa League this season. So you saw the team and he was like, mm, not too bad. I think um at the time I when the game started, we started, I think we started quite brightly, if I can remember. We was not too bad. We was uh, getting forward. But then as the game sort of went on, we weren't getting our shots on goal. I think it was literally, I think it was like 20 minutes in and we still hadn't had a shot on goal. And after that, you're thinking to yourself, mm, okay, well, something's obviously sort of gone wrong here because what's happening um, we still tried to press and press, obviously. Um, and we just, we kept knocking on the door. The, the formation for me was wrong because you had, yeah, Partey, we played a sort of a 4-1-4-1, four, one, four, one, didn't we? I'm, I'm sure with Partey in the middle. And Partey, as good as he is, I think he needs a partner. He wasn't good enough to sort of marshal in front of the defence by himself. And also, so you're talking about him being the defensive midfielder and also being the link between um, the midfield and the forward players. And by, you could tell by part, by the end of the game, Partey was knackered, he was gone because it was too much for him to do. But 
unfortunately Arteta is very obviously reluctant in changing in tactics. It just it's just something he just doesn't do, unfortunately. Um we had an injury to Xhaka, didn't we? And we had to start yeah. like we had to start Tierney. And obviously Tierney's been out for a while and obviously um having an, an actual left back at left back was good because why he, he was uh, persistent in playing Xhaka left back uh, God only knows, but that's uh, something for Mikel to, I guess, uh, explain for himself. I, I guess disappointment comes to mind with Villarreal because it was in our own hands. We had the opportunity to score and we just didn't. We didn't take our chances. Mikel Arteta got the tactics wrong. The players weren't as good as they should have been, but they haven't been this season, unfortunately. And that game was just a culmination of our season, having it in our own hands, needing to do the very, very basic and just not being able to execute it. Um, Femi, when we was playing, did you have a sense of sort of, as the game was going on, that we was even going to score a goal? I knew after 15 minutes. (laughs) I'm trying to find a tweet that I sent. I said... This has been a horrible 15 minutes because I made a prediction before the game. You know what I thought of? I thought of Chelsea at home. I thought of Tottenham at home where we just came out of the blocks in those games and we just, they just didn't know what to do. This game was the absolute opposite, wasn't it? We were just, it was so weird. It was, it was one of the weirdest performances I think I can remember for a long, long, long time from any team, not just from us, from any team because you kind of know what you have to do, but yeah. from 15 minutes onwards, I don't know. Maybe sometimes you have to give credit to the opposition. Maybe I don't know, <laughs> but for me, we just it just was all wrong. And like you, I, I think something that you just said now, which I've never actually thought about, was we we don't actually ever really change tactics in game under Arteta. We do change it sometimes game to game, but in game. Emery was known for that, just consistently changing tactics all over, like three, four times during a game. But I'm thinking Arteta just kind of makes like-for-like subs, doesn't he? He doesn't really change tactics. I I don't know. So maybe that was something that he should have spotted and then thought, you know what, maybe this, the balance isn't right. All I called for in the game was, instead of keep throwing attackers on, I said, maybe you should just put an Elneny in and, and just build from a base basically mm. but we had nothing to build from to be honest with you yeah I, I thought it was weird how we kind of basically just threw away the first half and said well yeah. Villarreal aren't going to attack us we're not going to we're just going to you know keep it nil nil and then attack them for the final 45 and try and force something and it just didn't work out that way obviously we can talk about another performance that you know, we did something in the first 15 minutes and then just sat back and closed up um, for the Chelsea game. But this one just, it didn't work out for us. And I think there's a lot to look at the manager. Obviously, when you put in a tactic that is so obvious when you look at it, that he's gone, right, we're just playing for a 1-0. Easiest way for us to get through. Score a goal, don't let him concede. Um, and it go you know, and you don't score, you've got to put some blame on the manager. Um, Absolutely. Because he sees these players and knows that they've got this problem. I think he mentioned it post-game after West Brom. It was like, great, Pepe, 
pinged one in the top corner. You know, it was a wonderful goal. Where the fuck was that drive against Villarreal? That's all we needed from you. Um, and the same goes for Willian. You know, he scores a free kick from 30 yards. Again, that's the bit of magic we just needed midweek. Didn't need that against West Brom. But where we actually where it actually mattered was against Villarreal. So I understand his frustrations as well. But I think this is something that has got to be levelled at. He's got to take responsibility for it, and I think he does. Um, but it's Josh, with the hindsight, of, with the hindsight of 2020, yeah. like obviously mm. hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. We played Newcastle on the Sunday, the day mm. before. Oh, Man United. I'm sorry, Liverpool one nil down. Anyway, um, with the hindsight of 2020, um, mm. the tactic we was going to use against Villarreal. Do you think that we should have used that against Newcastle to see how it would have played out in game? Because surely that's mm. To, to use a brand new tactic that you haven't kind of used before. Mm. And obviously, yeah, he's got three days to work on it on the mm. training ground. But do you think maybe against Newcastle, that's what we should have gone with just to see how we played? I don't think we'd get the same thing from Newcastle to kind of help us. I think their best player, unfortunately, couldn't play against us because, you know, he's on loan from us in Joe Willock. I, the, the thing that kind of frustrates me is we have seen these kind of performances from Arsenal where and it's possibly the biggest positive from Arteta's tenure other than what's happened off the field on the field is how frugal our defense has been you know we're not giving up as many sloppy errors we are a lot more defensively solid than we were under Emery who I think we'd all agree is a manager who is very conservative very pragmatic the problem has always been that we haven't been able to score the goals. And so, and I think we saw that against Chelsea, that, you know, this team does know how to defend. It it has that in its locker. Um, so long as the Granite Xhaka isn't playing, you know, balls across the face of goal. And we're talking about individual errors from maybe Bert Leno, or we, we've seen them from everybody. Um, Bellerin, Sabayos, exactly. He was fortunately suspended for the game, but we've, <laughs> we've seen it from everyone. If that back line keeps its discipline, it will keep a clean sheet. And especially when you're coming up a manager, it was, you know how you get the, uh, the cliche of the immovable object against the unstoppable force the first half was just two immovable objects playing against each other, just kind of sitting there. Neither of them wanted the ball. And yeah, for me, I wouldn't have changed the tactic. And if we could play the game again, I'd go with exactly the same thing because it, in my mind, it's the tactic I would have gone with as well. I'd have played for the one nil and hope for the best because we always seem to pick up something, but yeah, I just think overall it was horrible when it went wrong. You know, because you're just sitting there going, we could have done so much more. And like Femi said, some of the changes at the end, uh, when Enketia came on. Yeah. For me, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't agree yeah. with that because he took off, mm. he took off, uh, we need to score a goal mm-hmm. and you take off our top goal scorer. Mm. Is he top scorer? Uh, yeah. Which one, Lacazette or Aubameyang? He took off Aubameyang. He yeah. took off Aubameyang. Mm. And for me, that doesn't make sense. You need to score a goal, so why not go with the two up front? Mm. I understand that. Yes, it would have probably disgruntled the shape of the team, mm. but after that point, you're going to go out anyway. So you might as well just 
sort of throw caution to the wind. And I guess yeah. it's what we were talking about earlier, Femi, like he just doesn't seem to change tactics instead of saying, right, we're going to go 4-4-2 or 4-1-3-2. So like just, you, you think to yourself, right, we need to score a goal. Let's have two uh, like strikers on the pitch. And he doesn't do it. And then, like you said, throwing on Nketiah in like the 90th minute. It's just like, what do you want him to do? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, again, like you said, Josh, I think a, a lot needs to be looked at. I mean, the players as well. The players didn't turn up, unfortunately. But I think yeah. the manager has to take a proportion of the blame for that because he's very rigid. Like he said, he doesn't like to change in-game these tactics. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's... I, I want to say that he's he's not going to do be his undoing, but unfortunately, it seems that he might. It might be. You remember Arsene Wenger used to sort of have this trust in players to say, right, these are the players on the football pitch. I'm I'm trusting them to work the tactic I've given them, and it should work. And that was Arsene Wenger. That's what he normally. That's what he used to do. Because I can't ever rem- remember Arsene Wenger making a change at half time like Emery did. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's he has he has faith in his tactics, but unfortunately, just on this game, it just didn't work. And now we're out of Europe, the only English team, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> in the semi-finals who didn't make it through. Did that hurt more, Femi? Like not being the only English team not in the um, in the final. Um. Do you know what? I think it would have hurt more if we actually made an attempt to score. <laughs> I think maybe you know what I, I pictured a one nil going into. I pictured a one nil going into the last ten minutes, and we let in a goal, and we're scrambling to. But we kind of just that last ten minutes was just like we just did nothing. All the usual stuff that you'd expect, you know, a team chasing a goal to do: throw a centre back mm-hmm. forward, ping balls into the box, get the ball forward quickly. We did absolutely none of that. So it, it was kind of hard to get kind of heartbroken. You know those heartbroken yeah. games like a, I don't know, like a Olympiacos last season where we got back into the game and we were going through and everyone was excited and then they scored and we're thinking, what the flip are we doing? That was a little <laughs> bit. And then Oba misses yeah. that last gasp. We had, there was not even half as much excitement yeah. in this game. So then you you end up from about the 80th minute, just thinking, yeah, we're just not going to score here. And no effort was put in to do anything different. So it was, that's a very steep learning curve. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's going to hurt a lot. The, the, the players and the manager, I think that kind of performance, I think they're going to have a lot of post-mortem in, internally about yeah. that. Yeah. And I think when you, you certainly look at it when we threw on all those strikers, it just didn't help us because they were all trying to make exactly the same run. They're just yeah. getting caught on top of each other. I remember Lacazette trying to you know, get away a shot and there's Nketiah's on top of him. Uh, Martinelli's in the same place as him. And I completely agree with uh, the substitution of Nketiah was just completely wrong. And for me, I know you said, uh, Femi, that Elneny would have been your choice. For me, it would have been Callum Chambers, but for similar reason. Just stick a big guy up there. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Mm. Hector Bellerin was getting... He mm. had two shots, didn't he? So he, yeah, was yeah, getting in in, he was getting into the box, yeah, in good positions. <laughs> and then we took him off. Like you're saying, we could have put Chambers in that position mm. and he would have caused more of a nuisance. But what we ended up doing was putting kind of 
Emil Smith roll towards the right back area mm. and Saka towards, and it was just a massive plot of just mess. Mm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll go into it um, later as well, the kind of fallout of that game and, you know, who's going to be leaving, who now says they want to leave and all sorts of there. But let's move on to um, a bit more of a positive result. Um, we'll go on to West Brom. I think firstly, um, I think we can quickly go around it. Um, yeah, Ferry, thoughts on the West Brom game? Um, I think there's only one real highlight from it, in my mind. William? No, I was going to go with relegating Big Sam. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, we could, we could say Emil Smith-Rowe's first Premier mm. League goal. That's something that he'll he as a player will always remember. Us as fans, hopefully if he stays long term, will always remember. That's I think that's a quite a big moment. You know, he's he's a kid that obviously has got quite a few goals in the Europa League. So for him to break mm. his his duck in the Premier League was quite a um um a big moment. Um obviously you, you spoke about the Pepe, you know, magical goal. Mm. I think that's that's another moment because he, he's only ever done that kind of goal once. Other, one other time in the Premier League against West Ham. All oh, those I other was, goals. Yeah, I was thinking the one there. against Brighton. Did he, he scored another oh, yeah, against he did Brighton. Do that. Yeah, but we didn't yeah. win that game. We we no. we lost <laughs> that game, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So he did. Oh, yeah, you're right. Against Brighton, West Ham, and now against West Brom, he scored that mm. goal. But he he saved those types of goals mainly for the Europa League. So. Mm. Obviously, but then he was dropped yesterday. But that's another story, I guess. <laughs> um, and then obviously we had <laughs> Mr. William scoring his um, his first goal, which is a yeah. bit of a bit. I was surprised it wasn't ruled out for the pushing, but whatever. <laughs> we he got his goal and we move on. But apart from that, I mean, I can't remember anything else about the game. I'm not even gonna. Apart from Big Sam sitting in the back seat absorbing himself of any blame whatsoever, just <laughs> mumbling to himself. I couldn't believe it. I was like, why is this? this uh, he just deserves, he deserves it, to be honest with you. Just sitting I, in the back like it's got nothing to do with him. If I was a West Brom fan in that stadium at the time, <laughs> oh my God, I would have, I'd have found whatever items I'd have brought with me and throwing them in his general direction. <laughs> Yeah. You know what's funny as well? Because in the interview, they asked him, oh, will you be staying? Mm. And he's blatantly not going to stay. Mm-mm. And he's just like, well, let's sit down and talk about it. Like, mm. He's now been relegated. He's, he's thrown his toys at his prime because mm. he's now not known as the man who saves every single team um, probably that he manages. Lost, probably lost a bonus as well there, hasn't he? Massive. Oh, of course he has, definitely. Yeah. Well, after he's a bang from England, <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. But for me, I'm with you, Josh. Like that was the highlight um, because I just I'm still remembering the days of his Bolton teams where he used to just kick lumps out of us. Um, do you know what I mean? I know you should not hold it to a grudge, but I haven't forgiven that. Like um, just some of the things that his team used to do. It's just do we just know there's a soft touch back then? Like mm. oh, just. Put a boot in, like, and that was you can tell that was his tactic. Um, back in the day, you know, he used to have that Kevin, was it Kevin Phillips? Um, uh, no, not Kevin, Kevin Davis, Phillips, um, Kevin, Kevin Davis. Davis, that's the one, like, the most, the, the sh- mm. one of the shittest footballers you'd ever like meet. And he's but he just used to, 
like he was good, but he was shit at the same time. And you, and you kind of think to yourself, like, how is this guy so good? Because he, he was, he, like, if you wanted a, a target man, he was a person that like, you'd lump it up to him. He'd like just literally chest it and it would just stick to his chest and he'd knock it down and then um, play the ball with, like a neat pass. But he was just so shit, wasn't he? But yeah, no, he's credit. Black- like, I was going to say, so his, Black- his Blackburn team as well. Remember that with uh, Morton Gamps Pedersen on the wing. It's another one of just like, oh, fuck's sake. Savage in the middle. <laughs> we know what's happening here. They're going to kick us. Get it out to that guy. He's going to throw a cross into the middle and they'll, they'll win. And yeah. Kevin yeah, Davis and Kevin Nolan. <laughs> the two. Yeah. Two Kevin Nolan that followed him everywhere, didn't he? <laughs> But yeah, um, it's nice to get a win, especially at home as well, because our home form mm. hasn't been the best. Um, unfortunately, it was um, declining. I think something like we conceded um, 19 goals, nearly scored that uh, 18 or something like that. So mm. it was nice to get a home win. Um, I think that was a game that we was, let's be honest, we was always going to win, wasn't we? I think yeah. I don't think we kind of broke a sweat uh, playing that game. It was a bit tense, uh, a bit touch and go when it went to two one. But yeah, apart from that, the highlight, like you said, relegating Big Sam and William scoring uh, a free kick, and unfortunately, at least everyone's saying, "Where was that?" Like in the season, like it, it's weird. Do you think it's, it's a psychological thing, Josh? That pressure's off. We kind mm. of relatively playing nothing to play for. So now the pressure's off, they can just go out and just play football. Yeah, I don't think in Willian's career expectations have been so high for him obviously before he went to Chelsea he was at Shakhtar and I think at that point it's just everybody at Shakhtar Donetsk especially if you're Brazilian is there to basically be fattened up to sell you on um, to the next club and at Chelsea when he came in yeah it was big money but he wasn't the star of that team I think when he came in Lampard's still there Hazard's then coming in as well he's never had the expectation of, you know, coming to Arsenal and we're expecting him. And I think Arteta said said this as well, that we've expected so much more from him. There's an expectation as a, you know, seasoned pro in the Premier League who has been consistent at getting 10 goals or assists across the season should be, you know, be more consistent in their... uh, in how they're playing and their performances. And we just haven't seen that from him. And that was one of my big criticisms uh, of Willian generally was he's really only just a free kick merchant. And we've just seen it once from him. You know, that was the one thing he'd do at Chelsea was big game situation. You need him, stick him on a free kick, 25, 30 yards out. Chances are he's going to put a great ball He's going to have a great shot, great opportunity. And, you know, eight times out of 10, he scores it. And, yeah, for me, it's been incredibly frustrating. And I'm going to put Pepe in that in that thing as well. Um, perhaps it's the, the money we paid for Pepe that his expectation or, expect, or our expectations of him are so high. I think if he was, if we paid half of that, you know, we were talking about our £35 million winger, and he had the season he did this season, we're probably all content. But I'm completely blinded by that that price tag. And I, I can't I can't 
get my head away from it that we should see more from Pepe consistently when it matters against teams that it matters against. We should be seeing these performances and not saying he hasn't done it for us, but that's not the point. He needs to do it more often. And yeah, we can now talk about the Chelsea game where he's not there. He's not in the side. Um, We've gone with Saka and Smith Rowe. I think especially next season where I'm hoping we've got a Martinelli as an option. Um, Rumours we're going to look to get another player in that kind of area as well, be it try and get Odegaard again. Rumours again circulating about Jack Grealish. What, what, is, what happens to Nicolas Pepe? Because he's not getting in that front three for us at all. And Femi, where where do you feel about the the future of Pepe in that regard? I think I think that the only it's just because we've got so much work to do that I think he survives. To be honest with you, I'm not sure that Arteta is like a A one fan of his because, like you're saying, there's some games that I've watched. I think there was a game that Oba and Laka didn't play, mm. and then you've got. Pepe in the game, you're thinking you're now the senior man, basically. Mm. Because, not just on price tag, like you're saying, even if he cost 35 million, he would still have mm. been the senior man in that line, in that front attacking. And he just, you know, he's he's good, but when you're trying to step up to another level, you need better. Mm. And if you take out his Europa League numbers, I don't think people would be that impressed to be honest with you mm. if you if you actually did. He, he's a lot of his stats that we see in Arsenal in Arsenal shirts are padded up by <laughs> Europa League games to be honest, especially Europa League group games as well. Um I, I, I mean I, I see a player in there, but I think one thing that Mikel Arteta did mention in his press conference when they asked him about Emil Smith Rowe scoring his first goal. And I think it came out a bit wrong, but I think what he was saying was, yeah, he needs to be scoring sort of 20 goals, you know, in that position. So there's some positions in a team that no matter what you do, you have to, well, (laughs) yeah, I'll let you say that. (laughs) There's some positions uh... you have to be scoring and assisting a lot of goals, you just you just have to because that's the, the the key positions in the in the league. And I'm sure we can look at our midfield scoring, and it's it's pretty pathetic. Whatever way you look at it, you know, if you if you look at Saka, for example, you take out Saka, you know, and then you look at the rest of the midfield, it's not great at all. So we we need numbers. We need numbers. Numbers actually mean a lot. We haven't scored enough goals this season, whether we like it or not. Yeah, uh, so the stat that you're alluding to that I just popped in there was Pepe's Premier League record is 27 appearances, six goals and one assist. There you go. And it's always, that's why I always worry when we talk about, you know, when we add total numbers in, Hmm. you know, Europa League numbers do pad up a lot of this and it's mainly Europa League group stage numbers as well. So, hmm. you know, it's fair enough. You get, you, you know, you get the, <laughs> you, you get the numbers, but you need, we need league numbers. We cannot hmm. be scoring 50 odd goals in the league. It's it's not acceptable. And that comes down to the whole squad, to be honest with you. Yeah. The strikers, we, we need two players to be hitting 20 goals a season. Hmm. Look at the lot up the road. 
they've had a miserable season. The only reason they're even anywhere near the top half of the table is because they've got two players that have basically just pumped goals in for them. Mm. Everything else has just been garbage. Their defense is rubbish. Their midfield is rubbish. But they've just got two players that score goals. And we need players to step up now mm. and add numbers. Yeah, we, we know that... God, I was going to say, we've got Abamyang, haven't we? Uh, who's also not had a great season. Yeah. Um, he's not... You know, no one has stepped up for him. Lacazette is having the same season he had last season in terms of goal production. Um, and we just haven't seen anybody, uh, you know, step up in that way. And I think for somebody that has taken the majority of our corners as well in, in Pepe oh, to only have one assist... I think that's the kind of thing we're kind of talking of. It's not just his output in terms of goals, because again, you could see most Premier League wingers, even top ones, you know, 10 goals in a season, you'd be happy with that. I think it's only because, you know, Liverpool and uh, us playing a Bamiang on the wing has kind of skewed everyone's expectations of what wingers should be outputting across the season. But look at someone like Mares, he's, about you know he's into the teens of goals but he's not he's not challenging for the golden boot and that's where we should be seeing someone a bit like Pepe that maybe only gets six goals but that assist number should be exactly the same as well he should be setting chances up for people and I think it's the excuse of uh, him saying this is how I want my fullback to be you know, I've got to have a fullback that's overlapping me for my game to work. Uh, sorry, mate. You've you've been here for two, three seasons now. Adapt your game. That's what the best players do. The best players don't need a team to be built around them to get the best out of them. And I think that's my biggest frustration now with him is just that inconsistency. And I can imagine, uh, yeah, Mikel is exactly the same. Um, but Carl, you had a point on it as well. Yeah. Go back to your Just to, also our, our central midfielders. Mm. Like I think our centre midfielders have only contributed what maybe three goals between uh, sorry, I think about four is between El Nene, Sabayos, Xhaka and Partey. Mm. Like I don't think Partey's above criticism uh, either. He's come in and yes, people can say he's had um, injuries, but he's let's be honest with you looking at party would any of you have paid 50 million for him like he hasn't been very glad no assist i'm sorry mm. no one assist i believe and no goals and his shooting is god needs a lot to be desired <laughs> unfortunately but um you know i think it's just a, a collective of we just haven't turned up this season no no one i mean you're looking at emil smith only really got into the team what after christmas round yeah. about that and he's prop him and Saka have been our best players now that's that's ridiculous you're talking about two really really young guys being our our best players and you know I think a lot can be said about Lacazette sorry and um Abamian. should Abamian be our captain for me no if Mikel Arteta is really really um forceful about taking his team forward he's got to take that captaincy away from Aubameyang he has to because Aubameyang is not a captain you've seen some of the antics he's done um, this season you know turning up late just being just 
being a prat, not he's not a leader. You and I'm yes, I'm not saying that everyone needs to be a John Terry or a Tony Adams. Like those days have gone. You're not. You're never going to find someone like that again, unfortunately. But you know, a, a, a captain should lead by example. What ex- well from what we see, what example does um, Abamian lead apart from putting up Instagram videos of saying people's name and laughing and just doing nonsense like? I don't know, like, um, there needs to be a whole culture change, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in, in, mm. in sort of press onto the Chelsea game. But, yeah, um, it was a new tactic, I, I guess, against Chelsea. And, I, and you both know that I was so... <laughs> me and John was kind of going back and forth in our WhatsApp group because I didn't think we was going to win. I, I looked at their team and I said, not, never going to happen. <laughs> that just absolutely ridiculous. We was all like, Saka at right wing back. What? Like, what are you on about? We've got three right backs sitting on the bench and we put Saka at right wing back. And uh, uh, though we didn't have the best game, I was totally just like, not against it. And John, God bless him, he kept the faith. He was like, nope, I can't wait for everyone to... Um, have egg on their face when we win and I was just like shut I literally was like shut up John like what are you on about like obviously you can sniff and too many old women's knickers like um, and no look what happened um, <laughs> we won I was totally shocked Femi I guess he was as shocked as, as I um, <laughs> at the end of that game when we won Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we won. We won. Uh, we we dug in. We uh, gave a dogged performance. But I mean, we were we lived the first half anyway. We lived a very charmed life. Let's, <laughs> let's put it like that. I don't know how we went in one nil. But to be to be fair to our second half, we 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 dug in there. They only had those two shots. At the end, they didn't have any any other clear cut chances. To be fair to us, and uh, you know, Rob Holding excels in games like that. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, he, he everything he, he's like he's like Tony Adams in a game like that, where everything is just attracted to him. He boots everything, heads everything. You know, he he, he looked good. Um, Mari was a up and down in the game. So was Gabriel. His passing was awful, but. You know, it's a new position for him, I guess. I don't know if he ever played that at Lille, a three at the back. Um, on, on, He did at the beginning of the season for us, but he was playing mm. in the centre of the three, wasn't he? And he looked really good. But playing the right left side of the three, he looked, you, you know, well, he looked quite dodgy. But, yeah, I was shocked that we, we went with that system, which surprisingly, but I guess sometimes when you go away from home, you kind of might, have to accept that sometimes. I mean, it's better to win two big top what top six games this season when we hadn't won for like how many years? Mm. Five, six, seven years. We hadn't even won one, and we won two this season. So you can't begrudge us that. Um, so if that's the way that we have to play against the top six teams away from home to win, if we can gain more control in midfield, mm. I, I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. Even though I don't want to see that regularly. If it's a way for us to break that top six, you know, thing over us, where we 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 used to go to teams like Chelsea and let in fours and fives regularly, and you know, he's that's one thing that I'll give Mikel Arteta credit for. We are far more competitive, 
um, especially defensively in those games. So let's see how we can improve going forward, hopefully. But do you think that's the issue? So let's just say we've kind of got top six down, but it's the other games that obviously yeah. we're not doing too well at. So would you, I mean, would you rather win the top six games or win, you know, against the, the Wolves and the Aston Villas and the Brightons and the Everton's of this world? Yeah, now this is it. We're, we're doing decent against the top six sides. We're doing decent against the bottom sort of six sides. It's that middle group of teams that are... We're not only not doing decent against them, they're actually just beating us as well. Mm. Teams like Villa, Burnley, Wolves. Wolves seem to have the hoodoo over us for some reason. Um, you know, Villa seem to have the hoodoo over us. It's, it's teams that can defend well and attack well. Teams that can defend well, we seem to be all right to break them down by the odd goal. Teams that defend and attack well, we seem to have a massive issue against them. And um, I don't know. It's 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 going to take. I think the only plus point that I'll I'll give in those games, apart from the Villa at home, is we haven't been blown away in the games. Mm. And I saw something about Sheffield United last season, where they won a lot of games by the odd goals. So that kind of kept them in that sort of tenth place mm. that they were. At. So as soon as you have a swing the other way mm. in all those games that you're winning by the odd goals, mm. you end up with the season that they've had. So we've lost quite a few games, mainly by the odd goal. So I'm hoping that that odd goal can, can swing in a different direction for us, but maybe I'm being optimistic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd agree with you as well. I mean, I think we're exactly the same kind of issue that an odd goal here and there, that's a couple of points for us. You know, there's a, plenty of nil-nils we've had this season again one-alls we've had the opportunities and it is odd how I think we can kind of say Arteta is very very good at setting Arsenal up to stop another team playing but it's when the expectation's there for us to attack that team as well where we kind of come undone that we overcommit and yeah it's like that Villa game where we lost 3-0 we overcommitted and they just picked us off which is basically they arsenaled us uh in a way that's the tactic that we do to the to the rest of the big six um but i think otherwise generally that that win for us against against chelsea yeah our goal might have been a bit of fortune for us but um say another goal for smith rowe uh, i think that confidence on a world of good especially after the chance he missed against villarreal i think when we look at all the players' reactions at the final whistles of the Villarreal game, Smith-Rowe looked absolutely devastated mm. because obviously he had that chance that he put wide. I think possibly being a bit harsh on himself um, for not scoring it. But uh, yeah, I, I think it, we look like we've got a good one there and puts us in contention not only for potential St. Totteringham's Day, which which could still come, you know the uh, the silver lining to our big old cloud that's been this season. Um, so yeah, Europa League conference as well. Which um, doing the research on it earlier, um, 
I think we'll send our under 18s. I think um, can't qualify for it directly. Everybody's in qualifying rounds. The best teams in it are going to be basically the team that wins the uh, not Carling Cup, whatever it's called now, Carabao Cup, but otherwise seventh placed English team. And then whoever doesn't qualify or gets knocked out in the qualifying rounds of the Europa League. I mean, Femi, if we manage to end up in Europa League, in Europa Conference, we're finishing seventh. How do we take a tournament like that? This one is very, very simple. You play as... Oh, I, I want to say you play as many young players and bed in as many players as you mm. can. Give game time to as many squad players as you can. Do not play any first team players. I would totally separate it if we got into it. Mm. Totally separate it. The, I mean, the, the, the one advantage... <laughs> what. <laughs> The one advantage that you have is you don't have Champions League teams dropping into it. You have, but you have Europa League teams dropping into it, which <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so you're going to get the bad Europa League teams dropping mm. into it. So it shouldn't be as tasking even in the later rounds. Then um, you have obviously if you win it, <laughs> your reward is a place in the Europa League, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then um, <laughs> so no, I would, I would, I mean, players like Saliba, players like you know, players that are coming back from loan that you're not sure about, players that need game time. I would, and what I would do is literally treat it totally separate. So I would act like we've got no Europe. So I would prepare the first team for the game on the weekend and prepare this team separately that I wouldn't put so much energy into these games that that's yeah. the honest truth yeah and Carl what about you same yeah I mean obviously you're going to have the, the, the fringe players depending on sort of who we buy in the summer you're going to have maybe the the I don't know the Callum Chameses the El Nene's you know, those sort of first team players may be in, in that squad, but mm. you would like to see the, the young ones, the I guess the Balligans and the yeah. Miguel Azizes and, and people like that, it definitely that being the talisman of that team mm. um, to try and get some, obviously, some game time. Uh, the, the thing is, you and I are, are talking from sort of a, a fan's point of view. The club will be looking at it from a financial point of view because they are going to want to, A, sell tickets to for people to come into the ground. Um, unless you treat it like the, the Carabao Cup and have that £10 tickets for, uh, I guess, for that game. Um, but they're going to want to try and win this because I, I, I'm assuming that the, the prize money for this isn't going to be much, what, maybe mm-hmm. 20 million, if that, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. So they're going to want to try and win this so they can get some some money. I personally would be exactly like you two gentlemen. I would literally treat it like we've got no Europe and literally throw all your eggs into one basket, which would be the, mm-hmm. the league, because we need to sort out our league form. And if playing one game a week, will help us then I'm all for that 100% um, we need to climb up the table 
if we don't play in Europe, then this is our best time to try and break into that top four. Mm. You know, us Arsenal playing one game a week, no European games. Um, you know, if, if we don't get into Europe, then I guess we're in the Calvary Cup in that second round. Can you believe that? Like, it's just, it's crazy to think that. that Arsenal oh my God, that's true. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's mad. But yeah, Josh, I, I totally am with you. I would not, I mean, like I said, the fringe players, yes. But like if, say like the likes of Abamyang would not be in the squad, the Emil Smith-Rose, the Sackers, no, give it to, if we keep Runnison, let him be it. Let, um, let Matt Ryan be the first team goalkeeper of that. I and mean, that's some experience there. So I mean, so it's not like you're going to throw just pure kids in. You you are going to have some people there. And if, I guess, if we don't get rid of the likes of Terrell, which I, I guess we'll get on to mm. later, like he can play in that, but hopefully he won't be in, in the team. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very much just like having the reserves. It's going to be the, the, the squads we saw for the Europa League group stage all season in that competition because that's the kind of quality of opposition we're going to be playing Um, but yeah let's move into uh, we were talking about fans back in the grounds as well Um, you know for however much they're paying or being paid to come to Europa Conference games I mean that's the ones that every school kid uh, in the greater London region will have will be offered free tickets to Europa Conference but um we can talk about fans back for the Bryson game. I think there are a couple of, uh, certainly a protest that's being organised. Um, not for fans being back for the Brighton game, I should add quickly, but for the uh, the Cronky out protests, they're continuing on and there'll be one, uh, a gathering for, for the Brighton game. Um, Femi, how do you feel about fans coming back? Um, do you think this is going to be the kind of litmus test for everybody to see how fans are reacting to this Arsenal side? I don't. I don't think. I don't think it will be. I think because the season's over, it, it kind of takes a sting out of it. I don't see friends coming back just to boo in the last game. I, I think that would be a little bit weird, to be honest. Because if it was like a normal circumstance, so we've just been out because we were out for no reason, but. <laughs> The fans have not been in there for over a year. I mean, geez, it's going to be a weird feeling already. I don't think they're coming to boot. Obviously, there's going to be disgruntlement when the odd pass goes out. Or it's, I mean, it, and it's quite a tough game for us, even though we never feel like Brighton is a tough game. Brighton at home is always seems to be some sort of tough task for us to even navigate this game. So even when we win it, it's been hard. But under um, Graham Potter, I don't even think we've beaten them at the Emirates. Um, they they beat us once, and I think no, he's only been there once. But even before with Chris Hewton, yeah. So we've we've not had a great record against Brighton. So for me, it's it's just about whether the players want to put on a show for um, for the fans. Really, um, that's the main thing. You know, I can see us putting out a really really strong team, even if we've got nothing to play for, because it's the first home game that fans are properly back in. But then again, you know, who knows what we're going to see from Arsenal, but the fans are just, obviously there is going to be a protest before the game. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that's that's just something the players are going to have to live with. And just when you're talking about the the Conference League, actually, one thing that we, we got our season ticket renewal this week, mm. and one of the things that was quite noticeable was obviously you get your seven cup credits mm. usually on the season tickets. So obviously this season you would they would refund five basically for you not being in mm. Europe, and you'd get two. So if you end up in the Europa Conference League, you actually it will actually end up making Arsenal quite a lot of money, believe it or not, because they will add those five cup credits back on. And those mm. five crop credits will go really, really quickly because if you've got one qualifying round, that's already one gone. Then your three group games, then by the time you hit the next uh, round, you've already rinsed out five already. So <laughs> they know that even... And, and imagine match day revenue is quite big for Arsenal. So mm. they will want to be, even if it's the Europa Conference, even much of the fans hate it, it will still make the generate even, let's not even talk about prize money, match day revenue, mm. TV games. It will, Arsenal games will always be shown on the TV. Mm-hmm. They'll get revenue from that. So for Arsenal, they, they want Arsenal to be in the Conference League. But mm. yeah, no, it's, it's going to be fun, man, having fans back in the stadium. It's been a weird year. Uh, I've not really enjoyed football. It's felt more like training games to me. So it's it's I can't wait to be honest. I I just want to I want football to go back to the way it was. <laughs> Do you know if you're getting a ticket yet for that game? Well, mm, this is quite interesting. Still in? Oh no no I didn't I didn't I didn't bother. I took my money oh, okay. out last year. <laughs> oh, fair. So if you took your money out last year, you you're not eligible for the ballot. So oh. I took my money out um, of my one of the tickets. And the other one, um, yeah, I got an interesting message from um, my uh, my friend that rents it, let's say, and he said he's no longer wishes to rent it. He's had enough. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to go anymore. <laughs> so that's the end of that for next season. Oh, so. no. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be inundated with at least one person who might be interested in watching <laughs> Arsenal next season. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how many we can get. Uh, Carl, how do you feel about yeah fans getting back in? It means more work for you, right? At the weekends, got to shuttle them around London. Unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> they will be blocking up Arsenal and Holloway Road uh, tube stations and having to put up extra trains on the Piccadilly line. But do you know what? I'm football's been a hard watch for me this season, just because not watching watching games with no fans in it's been hard. I don't like the fake crowd noise. I think it's just ridiculous. Um, so I kind of watch... I, the only thing that's been kind of good is hearing all the players and the manager's shouts. That's been kind of really good. But it's still just been a hard watch. Like, it's not been... It, it's not been comfortable to, to watch, unfortunately. And I want the fans back in... I think the players will react because you know when that the, the fans beaming can give the players just that extra little boost, like you know the whole chanting "Come on, Arsenal!" that gives them to get them to move the ball faster. Uh, I think the players will have a little bit of a shock. To be honest, I'll be very honest with you because you know now, like a misplaced pass, there is no like groaning. That's going to be happen now, isn't it? Like a misplaced pass is going to like groan, like a a something not doing right and people shouting and I guess players do tend to kind of block out the noise of the fans but 
I guess with 10,000 fans being in, which is an all spaced out, which is not going to be that much, yeah. they're going to hear a few things, aren't they? Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy the fans are back in. I think we needed fans back in um, for a very long time. But obviously, listen, government guidelines states that we can't. So I just want people to be safe. However, um, I don't think it's going to be all easy. I think that there are going to be some disgruntled fans. It wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal kind of handpicked the 10,000 who's going to be in the grounds and it all like uh, the, the older uh, gentlemen of Arsenal fans not the young ones who are going to sort of shout out. it wouldn't surprise me I'm not, I'm not saying they have but it just wouldn't surprise me if they did but yeah um, it's going to be great to watch that well, I know I'm doing that day but um, that final game of the season hearing fans I mean obviously we're going to hear fans sort of um, in the next game next round of games but just to hear that real crowd noise, to hear a chant, to hear what do you think of Arsenal, to hear mm. like just th- that sort of knowing that people are back in, and it's just mm. just a great thing. And hopefully, this will be the beginning of you know next season come back in, and depending on where we are in the world at the time, having full capacity back. Uh, I hope that we are. I hope everything is safe and for us to. to be able to have 60,000 people uh, in the grounds, but it's a long time coming, isn't it? Fans being in the ground and hopefully it can give a boost to the to the, to the players for that Brighton game because it's not going to be a cakewalk at all, uh, unfortunately. Well, have we got yeah. 10,000 10, fans allowed back in? Yeah, so it's 10,000, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, some 10,000. For some teams, that's going to make a massive difference. So, for example, our game against Palace next week is going to make a massive difference in a stadium like that, having 10,000 fans. And, of course, the Palace fans are very, very, very boisterous and very loud, especially um, in their home stadium. So, I think you're going to to see a massive difference at somewhere like Selhurst Park next week. Yeah, I think the added, as we're going to talk about the Palace game, the added thing to that is potentially Roy Hodgson's last game for the club as well as manager um, with his contract running out. And if that is the last home game, the fans, the players all want to be able to give him a big send off. And we've got to be those uh, party poopers, really, and kind of leave him with a final loss, uh, remind him about what Arsenal can do. Um, well, we've got um, we've got three away wins in a row with three away mm. clean sheets in a row, so it's, it's um, it's something it's for us to slip up. Possibly wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, it, it will be like obviously with somewhere like Palace, they've got so many players out of contract, so it's literally a farewell for so many of their players. Yeah. Um, obviously Zaha who knows whether he's coming or going um, you know but then you've got players brand new players who have not played in front of a crowd before players like Eze and you know a lot of our players as well Partey and, mm. and players like that they've not played in front of a crowd before so in in, in England mm. anyway in their in their home stadium so it's so it's going to be an interesting week of, of football actually yeah, um, I think it's really interesting what we'll see. And 
It's like talking about players that, you know, coming in and haven't played in front of uh in front of fans. You talk about the many well, we had a I say we, the athletic article is what I'm gonna describe it as, but other publications have uh gone through uh, you know the potentials of ins and outs and ups and downs across uh, what's going on at Arsenal at the moment. The big news story was about us uh, looking, um, seeking out a dedicated recruiter to find us um, a new set of uh, or a new batch of scouts to come in uh, to supplement the scouts that are currently at the club. Um, what, what did you guys uh, think of that, Carl? I'll go to you first on that um, on that article in general. I mean, I, I guess the one question I would want to know is who that came from. Um, was it a quote unquote leak? Was it a, a, a official channels? Who knows? But for me, isn't that Eddie's job? Like, isn't that the job that Eddie should be heading up? Um, to find these players, that's that's what his job is, right? His his job is I suppose director. Yeah, I suppose for director? me, uh, yes, he's he's technical director or director of football, one of the two. But yeah. for me, I think it's just like any other job that if you're looking for staff, going to a recruitment agency isn't a bad thing necessarily. It's either you don't no. have the time for, it, especially with a transfer window coming up as well. 100%, but don't you think that it's a bit too late now? We're in May. Like, for me, oh, if yeah. you owned a football club, you should have identified all your targets already. Mm-hmm. And you should have a list of, these are the list, our, our A list. These are the ones we really, really want. If we don't get A, these are the B list. And then these are the C list and then the youngsters that we want to try bringing. If, if you're looking to hire people in May, then you have to tell them what you need. Then they have to try and look for these players. Where again, we're on the back foot. So it's well, we've got scouts already. I think that's one of the things that has been completely like drawn over on this. Is we have a scouting department at the moment. When we made fifty-five people redundant at the club, not all of them were scouts. We just got rid of the high-profile ones and replaced them. Uh, but you know that doesn't make a headline is that we made 55 people redundant and also we brought in a load of scouts to replace outgoing people i think we've got the targets in place i think we're just trying to you know move our strategy along further and do that now that we know what's going on with covid so i think that the article kind of goes into detail about why they use the recruitment company Mm. which is to have it more um independent um kind of base that's i mean they specialize in in that type of recruitment and it also goes into detail about what the potential kind of interviewed scouts have Mm. been asked to give so they were asked to give a um a compilation or scouting report for joe willick's loan Mm. uh at newcastle and also on quite interestingly sander sander burge Mm. <laughs> that's what the other assignment was. So it, it's it's quite um, quite a detailed <laughs> article, to be honest. So obviously they they it's easy to get the recruitment agency side of things, mm. but obviously they have contacts in this in the um, agents kind of yeah. world and and people who know what's going on. And obviously they they kind of had to get a quote from Arsenal about that one because mm. that was quite 
because of the, the amount of money that Arsenal spent on this agency has caused quite a little bit of a hmm, like what, why have you yeah. spent so much money on on an, a, a recruitment agency? I, I, I mean, I don't work in the recruitment department in my company, but I know when you bring in recruitment agencies, it ends up costing quite a lot. You know, 100%, do it. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is like an executive type recruitment mm-hmm. agency, they were saying. So who knows? As long as we get the right people for the job. So I think it was talking about a UK mm-hmm. scout, uh, yeah. was one of them, a couple of UK scouts and European youth scouts um, is what they're looking at as well, which that's another thing that's quite interesting as well, because obviously a lot of European youth scouting we thought would be gone because of um brexit and stuff like that so that's that's another interesting one maybe they found a loophole somewhere maybe they're all going to norway so we can find the next odegaard as they're not in the <laughs> eu we'll be all right just send them to every non-eu nation <laughs> uh yeah so i thought it was uh that was a really interesting point in it and then we'll go to the what was it the the five players um I think they have all said that they want to leave. I think if try and get the names right, Leno being one of them, Hector Bellerin, Granite Xhaka, Willian was there. And I can't remember the last one. Was it David Luiz? It was David Luiz. Yeah. yeah. It's those five players all saying that they kind of want out. Uh, Carl, what do you think about, about that kind of whole article? Cause it was very much like a, we're just going to slag off Arsenal um, at the moment because it's the perfect time to do it, to be honest. Um, yeah, what, what did you think about that? And the, especially those five players in question. You have to ask, again, where the, after who it came from. Was it a uh, someone who no longer works at Arsenal who just wants a little bit of money? Was it... Who, who was it, I, I guess, is the what we're looking for. For me, if if players don't want to be there, you can go. Like I'm I don't want players playing uh, being at Arsenal who are just not interested in being there. What's the point in keeping them? You're not gonna get anything out of them, unfortunately. Um yeah, if they want to go, let them let them go. Um I am as long as we can bring in replacements, I mean mm-hmm. replacing David Luiz, yes, David Luiz does do well for us, but mm. how how many times can we keep renewing his contract? Mm. He he's a liability, but we can't keep relying on a thirty. Was he thirty five now? Maybe um, when we've got someone else coming in. So yeah, I, I am definitely fine with letting him go. Mm. Um, but Leno, for me, he has been uh, a little bit of a liability this season. I'll be very honest. So him going this season, for me, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, Granite Xhaka, the man's marmite, isn't he? he he's, if we, there must be someone else in the football universe that is better than Granit Xhaka. We can't keep relying on him. It's just ridiculous to to keep relying on him. Um, and Hector Bellerin, I think it's time. Hector Bellerin has definitely not been very good this season. He he's kind of ever since his uh, ACL injury, 
he hasn't come back the same. He's he's lost a yard of speed. He's not the player who he was before his injury. And maybe it's just time uh, for him to go now. It's, you know, he's done well for Arsenal. And, like, thank you. But, as you know, no hard feelings against Hector Bellerin at all because he's done his best for Hector. He's done his best for Arsenal. But at this present time, he's just... He, he's lost it a little bit. And there's no denying that at all. He has lost something in his game. And what we require from Hector Bellerin, he's not given us. So if he wants to leave, then so be it. He may want to return back to Spain. Um, I don't think he gets into Barcelona squad, if I'm really honest. But, you know, um, so be it. It'd be a shame because obviously we've sort of grown up with Hector um, losing a homegrown player as well is not going to be the best. But yeah, anyone who wants to leave Arsenal, you've got to let them leave because one, you don't want a disruptive force in the dressing room. We just got rid of a, a collective of three uh, disruptive people in the dressing room and we don't want to carry that into the new season. Yeah, uh, I completely agree on that as well. And I think it also gives us an opportunity for a clean slate as well. A, a lot of those players that you mentioned uh, in the spine of the team as well. And we know that is a weak point for Arsenal. We've got plenty of centre-backs. Uh, so in terms of David Luiz saying, uh, you know, is he going to leave or is he want another one-year deal? You know, we've got William Saliba coming in. And if Arteta's going to integrate him properly, as I think we all agree, he didn't integrate him as well as should have done. Um, we proper messed him around. The, uh, the, that, that's our Louise replacement in that regards. Uh, Granite Xhaka, again, I think a bit like Bellerin, time for him to kind of go. Um, especially if I think us dropping into like Europa League conference or Europa or, or no Europe at all, which is still a possibility that there's a lot of players here who will want to be playing European football and, you know, have possibly come here thinking, Oh, you know, it'll only be one year in the Europa League or only be two years in the Europa League. Then it'll be into the champions league and that'll be fine. There's a lot of those players now where that promise or that potential to happen hasn't happened and they're just a bit like you know what I could just go to say in Leno's case Britta Dortmund are looking for a new goalkeeper in the summer mm. there's a perfect opportunity for him to be playing Champions League football again um, if he wants to return to Germany and I think there's other clubs like that that yeah we can say there's the the third the third place team in France will be playing Champions League football next season that's an opportunity for somebody to be going there Um from the club that is still of that kind of requisite quality, um, especially in those kind of players that, that were named. Um, but yeah, like uh, like you said, Carl, I think it did sound like a lot of this was coming from either disgruntled agents um, trying to get Arteta out or ex-employees who were equally as disgruntled. It read to me like they no one really knows what's going inside going sorry not going inside are uh, going on inside of arsenal right now what the future plans are um we are not as porous with information as we were under the gazidis um era and even the raul sanyehi era 
So I think that's an interesting thing to look at. And Femi, um, whilst you were off there, was there anything you wanted to go into about those those five players and anyone else as well that you think is, um, you know, potentially looking to to move out and maybe even any incomings that you've seen uh, in the media um, this week? <clears throat> I think it's um, just not to go over old grounds um, that you guys are talking about. I think what I do see is... A massive, massive summer. Probably the likes we've never seen of at Arsenal, if we're being serious. I, I can't... Maybe the summer that we brought in... Was it the 2001 summer that we brought in sort of Jeffers, Van Bronckhorst and players like that? I think we brought in like six or seven players. That's the that's the, probably the most I've ever seen, like first team players that we've brought in, I think we're going to have to have a massive overhaul and I don't know how they're going to do it. Are they going to opt for the sell everyone and then try and buy it or buy and then try and sell? You know, do we, do we even have enough personnel to, to handle all of this? Because we've got what Edu, Arteta, uh, this Richard, Richard, is it Richard? Onions, is it garlic? Richard garlic, is it? Yeah. Richard garlic. Richard garlic. You've got the three of those. Um, <laughs> that's it. I can't think of anyone else who's probably involved directly in transfers. Um, three people is a lot of work for Eddie mm. to get through. In, we've, in, got in the, um, we've got Tim Lewis and all the lawyer stuff as well will be covered by that rather than Hasfami yeah. obviously left. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Richard Onions yeah. is a Richard Garlic. Sorry, yeah. he, he's a he's a he's a lawyer as well. Um, so that yeah. will that will be helpful. But hmm. it's quite a thin transfer committee that we have, um, especially first team wise. Um, it would be nice to get someone else to help them. Um, I don't know if if I saw stupid rumor today, but then it was kind of in the same article. It was dismissed, which was about Campos, who's free to sign for another club this summer. That he would be, you know, in, Arsenal would be interested in him, but obviously they've got Edu in that type of position. Yeah. So. Yeah, basically, Eddie's going to have to earn his money this summer. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how they're going to do it, but Arteta keeps saying that they've got a plan. They just need to execute it. Um, let's see what happens. Hopefully, we don't have to pay any players off anymore. <laughs> that, that That's hopefully something that's mm -hmm. done. But I think we're going to be shocked maybe at the transfer fees and loans that we're going to have to mm -hmm. do because I think we've massively... I think some fans have massively overestimated the transfer market this mm -hmm. summer. I mean, when you're seeing, oh, yeah, we're just going to get 20 million for him. Oh, we shouldn't take 20 million for him. We should take 30 or 40 million for Joel Willock. And I just think that we're living in kind of dream world at the moment, yeah. that teams teams in France are not going to come and pay 20 million for a player. I mean, they've got a crappy TV deal, <laughs> pandemic money. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to take whatever you can for some players, which is... Is the harsh reality of things. Yeah, I think my big hope for the transfer window, uh, Carl, if you've got anything on this as well, jump in, would be uh, where any of the moves we're making, how they could be affected by kind of dominoes that we're waiting for other clubs. You know, there's a huge striker merry-go-round that's going to happen. We know Harland is going to move on, probably. And where does that move everybody else? Because you know, Benzema will be 
potentially moving on. Where's he going? We've got Lacazette. Someone could be in for a Bamiyang. You don't know. Um, and yeah, Cole, how crucial is this? Is this summer for us? I think it's Femi hit the nail on the head. I think you have to have a massive clear up, but it's not going to be easy. Um, I, although I'm not the, um, the owner's greatest fans, I think they will back Arteta in this transfer market just because they want to get the fans back on side. So I think they are going to spend money. The problem is not spending money. It's people, do you want to come to Arsenal? Now, as for you and I sitting here, um, you know, Arsenal is the best club in the world and we want to all play for Arsenal. But play if you, if Arsenal come in for you, yes, you've got the prospect of playing in London and, you know, Arsenal's still a big club. But if a, if a, if a Chelsea come in for you, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, they're in Europe. Their prospects got better than us. Like, the, I think the days of Arsenal being able to pluck any player they really want and they're going to come to us kind of unfortunately very, very much fading. Um, we don't have that pulling power anymore because we can't offer players really what they want and that's to compete for the Champions League and sorry, to so play in the Champions League and compete for the league title, neither of which we are anywhere close to doing. So I think even just Identifying players is fine, but getting the players in is, is going to be a, a real hard task. And like you said, the players that we've got there, um, um, Ed, sorry, the people that we've got in charge, um, Arteta, Garlic, um, and Edu, are they good enough? Do, do they have tentacles in the, in the football world like that to be, mm. I don't know, like I said to you guys, like, for me, you should be, your target should have been identified already. And we don't know, they could have been identified already, I guess. But I don't know, like for me, I think we need to do a clear out first before we start buying players because we don't want to end up with, again, like uh, a really heavy squad and then we can't get rid of players. And then we end up, like Femi said, but um, paying off players to leave. We don't want that, but we've got to go early and obviously we've got the European Championships. Luckily, Arsenal don't have that many players, if any, playing in the European Championships. Um, if Saka goes, which I don't think he's going to go, let's be honest, um, I think he's going to miss out uh, of the England squad. There's really I think he's going to go now that there's 26 players. I think that, that probably means he will go. I don't know. I, I just think, I mean... I don't know because he's going to go with I know this is not an England podcast but uh, I think he's going to go with I think Greenish will squeeze in I think Greenwood is going to go and I think obviously you've got Sancho going so I think he will I think he will I think he will miss out but um, the only person really going to the Euros is Leno and even then he's not going to start is he he's not going to really... and Tierney sorry to upset yeah. all our Scottish listeners oh yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. Scotland qualified <laughs> yes um, yeah Leno who's not really mm. going to he's not going to get a game um, let's no. be honest uh, Tierney he's, he's going to start did Switzerland make it? yeah yeah. Switzerland okay so so Xhaka who else? no no uh, Cedric Xhaka might go with Portugal uh, oh, is he? Because he hasn't got, he hasn't had a game, has he? So, 
Let's be honest, he hasn't kicked the ball for ages. And yeah. if he doesn't play the last two games, he's not going to go. Like, if he doesn't play against Palace um, or Brighton, he's not going to the um, Euros. No way. Um, yeah. So that kind of that kind of does it because well, don't, no one cares about Danny Spires anymore. He's gone. Uh, Odegaard isn't arguably probably coming back, um, and that's really it that we kind of expect to be going out. Um, our greater fear, I think, when we're looking at players going away on international duty, is the Africa Cup of Nations that we'll have yeah. uh, coming in. Uh, in January, which will see Pepe go, Pepe, um, Abamyang as Gabon uh, qualified, El Neni um, will go with Egypt and Party with Ghana. Jesus, and if we, that is and if, absolute spine, isn't it? And if we yeah. go after, if we go after Basuma, he'll be gone as yeah. well. <clears throat> he'll go with Mali, and if we get Onana as our goalkeeping replacement, the uh, <laughs> Ajax goalkeeper. Cameroon qualified, so he's off as well. Uh, <laughs> definitely need to look at that. That's 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 mm. not possible that you can for four that's weeks. Something, yeah, yeah that's, that's something that they're gonna have to be careful of. But again, that so that's that hamper. Who we go after? Like yeah. that? Do you look at that and think, yeah, we can get Basuma. We can. So let's say that we did get Basuma, and that's our spine of our team. Our two centre midfielders. Mm. Well, three, because when your backup one's gone as well in El Neni. Yeah. So, geez. Yeah. It's it's Aziz for a month. (laughs) (laughs) Central midfielder. Oh, gosh. And if we we sell Xhaka as well, that's that's Mm. fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And um, you've got, um, you've got, obviously, African Nations has gone back to January and it's, I think it's in two years again in January as well. So, yeah. Yeah, you really got. A, you, unfortunately for African players, it's it's going to start affecting that, that that market again. Yeah, I think um, and I think Femi raised a very good point. The days of us sort of getting twenty million for the likes of uh, one of our fringe players mm. definitely gone. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know. Um, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. Even our players that are unknown, you know, West Brom are not going to sign um, oh, um, Maitland Niles. <laughs> They're going down. So West Brom are not going to sign him. So, and we're not going to get 20 million for Maitland Niles. There's no way that's going to happen. So, do you keep him because of the January? If we go after African players, do you then keep Maitland Niles and put him in midfield and tell him in January you're going to get at least. <laughs> Uh, five or six games, you know. Um, with Joe Willock, do you do you sell him? Do you Newcastle are gonna pay maximum twenty million for him, aren't they? Like even with the English premium, you're not gonna get more than twenty million for Willock. Do you, do you, do you keep him? Do you sell him? We know that what he can do. Um, Reese Nelson, what do you do with Reese Nelson? He's nowhere near the squad at the moment. Will he have to go down um, a league to get a game? We've got a massive job on our hands this summer, like a massive, massive job. And I don't envy Arsenal um, to do it, but I just hope they do execute it 
And even if we don't get everyone we want, because let's face it, everyone's got a shopping list of who we want and everyone, all fans have got this idea in their head of, oh, I want X, Y, and Z. Unfortunately, it's not going to be humanly possible. Like Basuma, there's going to be so many teams in for him. Not necessarily he's going to come to Arsenal because if a Champions League team comes in for him, he he's he's going to go there, like over us, unfortunately. So... Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be easy to to bring in these players, as Josh alluded to. Yeah, I think that's uh, we could probably take a lot into account of who the scouts. Although we're probably not using those reports, it's just for here's a player that doesn't play for us. Show us what what you can do, kind of deal. In being asked to look at Sanderberg, um, especially as he is very very good friends with Martin Odegaard, so. We'll, we'll see what that means in the uh, in the future, anyway, for what we can do there. Um, one of the we did have a question as well. Um, did put a tweet out earlier. I'm guessing no one else saw it, seeing as we've only got one question um, from Matt or Roberts. Uh, he's just asked: Is there any positives that we can take going into the last two games as well? Of course, we won away to Chelsea. Whether it deserved or not, deserves or nothing to do with it. We we, we won away. Uh, we managed to change our tactic and, you know, going to Chelsea, who are flying at the moment. They're a Champions League semi-finalist. They just beat Man City. Uh, they beat Real Madrid. So, you know, you're not talking about a poor Chelsea team. Uh, you're talking about a very good like you said, the Lampard Chelsea team. You're talking about a Tommy Tickle's Chelsea team, which... Mm. Is a very good team. Um, and we beat them and they huffed and they puffed and we still beat them. So you got to take positives from that. Um, even you look at West Brom and I know you can sort of maybe roll your eyes, but they beat Chelsea and they beat Chelsea sort of 5 0. I don't know if you want to take anything from that. Yes, they had that man sent off. But so, and they're a team that are fighting for relegation, scrapping, and we still managed to do that any win that you any game that you win you have to take a positive from you have to look at it and think to yourself we have won a game of football which has not come easy to us this season we've struggled we Arsenal have absolutely struggled this season and whether that's a culmination of the manager whether it's a culmination of the players the board you know it's not football it's just, just not played on the football pitch it's played everywhere um we can definitely take a positive to look at it and think, yeah, you know, we've gone to a Champions League semi-finalist, I'm sorry, a Champions League finalist, and we've beaten them. So I'm happy um, that we've done that. And I think we can only look forward, whether Arteta will look at that and think, oh, we played quite well in this formation. Should we change it? Uh, should we stick with it? Who knows what he'll do against Crystal Palace. It's, he's got a week to prepare for that Palace game. So, yeah, I, I'm. Although my views haven't changed on Mikel Arteta, like I'll be honest with you, I still don't think he's the manager for us. As long as he's here, we'll support him and back him to the high hill until he's not here anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. That especially that we know there's a lot of us that want uh, Arteta out. Um, and especially want the owners out as well. I think one thing that we can take from 
Arteta's tenure is we have done a lot of good job clearing people out. And I think even if, um, you know, he doesn't get the best out of a squad, I think we can still build a good squad for somebody to take over from him in his image. Uh, I don't think we're going to end up with a load of players that don't fit another manager's system that we'll go after if we need to replace him. Um, yeah, Femi, is there any, anything else you want to add to that? Um, I think the positives we can take is try and go unbeaten for the um, mm. the last two games. I mean, if you've got sort of four games unbeaten at the end of the season, you can build. It's better than going four games without a win and going into summer extra miserable. <laughs> you know, so it's it'll be good to get you know to get two wins, finish ahead of that lot up the road. That would be good as well. Um, even if we finish yeah. eighth and above them, drop them into ninth, whatever. Mm. I think that will be a massive positive as well for the, especially for the fan base. You know, I don't know how much it will mean for the players, but they might see it as giving something back to the fan base. Because I think the fans would would be happy. We don't want to be finishing what is it, fifth year in a row behind them, which is unthinkable to be honest with you. So. Yeah, no, I, that would be a positive. That there you go. That's a, that's something to look forward to. Let's finish <laughs> ahead of ahead of that lot. That would yeah. be really good. Yeah, and, and there is also a chance. I I think we kind of mentioned it. You know, it's an opportunity for uh, the players to be playing in front of fans. I think what would be nice. I know um, the under 18s and I think the under twenty three season is now done. Yeah, is any opportunity to see Balogun or see um, Aziz make the bench at least um, but obviously you kind of want those opportunities for the senior players haven't seen some of the crowd either uh, and some of the fans and will want that to be a connection in place as well um, so I think that might be a bit difficult to arrange to get them there but I think it would be nice to have them uh, at least you know getting used to the atmosphere at the Emirates um, with a smaller crowd in it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of everything that we, um, for this week on the podcast. Um, yeah, if there, I don't think there's anything else we really want to go through at the moment. We will be doing a big end of season review, obviously, when the season does finish. Um, we'll try and get everybody... Um, who's been on or everyone part of the podcast get them on uh, for their thoughts and we could go through expectations for the summer um, not Chris though we don't want Chris on to be honest <laughs> I mean Chris is too busy running now he's got a new pair of shoes he is like yeah, a, I saw yeah. That. <laughs> but, yeah everyone saw that he was like um, yeah. he's I'm not come from uh, France or he <laughs> let's just put it this way he is a very happy chappy with those shoes and I don't blame him. Uh, a new pair of shoes can change any man's life and those certainly have. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, has anybody got any shout outs? Uh, Femi, you got any shout outs? <laughs> um, you can say no. No, no, shout out to all the season ticket holders. Uh, that was just, I'm just getting messages on my phone now saying I've got a ticket for Brighton. I've got a ticket. And I'm just like, I'm so jealous because I opted out of it. So shout out to everyone that's going to the Brighton game. <laughs> I'm jealous now. <laughs> uh, Carl, anyone you want to shout out because of your massive FOMO? Um, my shout out to John Welsh um, because 
Well, because of the Chelsea game, I, just, I, 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 I was, we were just having a back and forth in the, um, in the group and I was just like, I was genuinely thinking, this guy's on crack. Like, what's he on about? <laughs> of course we're not going to win. And no, I hope he has a happy, is it tomorrow? His thing? No, we're not going to mention what it is. But I think it, I think it's yes. today because he wanted oh, to move it for the podcast. That's how committed oh, okay. he was to this. Yes. So let's hope he's, uh, he ends the night a very happy chappy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Simon Collings because we haven't seen him for a while. I just want to say hi. Hi, Simon. I'm five feet, buddy. I was four. Oh, yeah, I'm five. Oh, five has been chasing his dog around um, around various parks in wherever he is now living. You can you can guarantee right now he's probably drinking like a £2,000 bottle of uh, red, <laughs> like, red wine. Yeah. I'd say £2,000 pocket change in it, to be honest. Yeah. It's like going to Tesco. I'm going to pack one off the shelf for five. <laughs> He wouldn't even give that stuff to his dog, the stuff you get in Tesco's. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to, to everybody from the pod who hasn't been on this season as well. And yeah, that wraps up our podcast 400 as well. Um, not of this season, although it has felt like it this t- uh, some games. But yeah, thank you to every, all our listeners. Um, do remember to like, and if this is the first time you're listening to us and managed to get to the end, subscribe to get even more great content. Um, th- there's only a hint of sarcasm to that uh, to that little sentence there. And uh, yeah, we've been a Burkamp Wonderlands. I think we're just still an Arsenal podcast. Um, thank you for the Chelsea win. And uh, yeah, good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>